everyone. My name is Jennifer Peng. My name is Anthony Murr. I'm Annie Wang. Hello, and welcome to a new season of The Rounds Table, a weekly podcast about major new research in medicine hosted online at healthydebate.ca. As always, I'm Amol Verma. I'm a resident in general internal medicine at the University of Toronto. Are you wondering who Annie, Jennifer, and Anthony are? They're our new team of superstar medical students who are going to help bring fresh new content and a fresh new sound to our second season. This week, we're excited to introduce you to our new team, and they're each bringing you their own Good Stuff recommendation. Our season begins next week on September 18th. We hope you'll join us. Hey everyone, my name is Jennifer Peng. I'm a second year medical student at the University of Toronto, and I'm so excited to be part of the rounds table this year as the creative director, where I'll be working to bring new and exciting content to the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jennifer underscore Y-P-E-N-G. I'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, or feedback. So my good stuff suggestion comes from an article by The Atlantic. The article is titled, The Dutch Village Where Everyone Has Dementia. It talks about a very special nursing home in the town of Hoogly, found on the outskirts of Amsterdam. Dubbed by CNN as Dementia Village, this cutting-edge nursing home is built specially for residents with severe cases of dementia and Alzheimer's. The entire facility is set up like a small town, with its own town square, garden, grocery store, post office, all designed so residents can feel like they're at home. The facility occupies 152 residents and is set up in such a way that's similar to the Truman Show. Employees at the facility are dressed in everyday street clothes, posing as villagers of the town holding jobs like cashiers, post office workers, and gardeners. There are cameras hidden throughout the entire town monitoring the safety of the residents 24-7. Residents live together in their own homes that are designed to resemble the 1950s and the 70s, from the interior design to the furniture, appealing to the times when the residents still had their memories intact. And it was reported by CNN that residents of Hoagley require fewer medications, eat better, live longer, and appear happier than those in typical elderly care facilities. Now, this is a huge contrast to what we've seen in the media recently about nursing homes and cases of patient mistreatment and elderly abuse. It is thought that by allowing the seniors to actively engage in the community, they've been able to treat their disease in a more comprehensive way without the need of excess medication. Now, although getting a spot in the -the state-of-the-art facility is not cheap, at roughly $8,000 a month or easy, as it's been at full capacity since opening in 2009, it does shed light on how we can improve our current standard of care for the elderly, and how simple changes in the environment can play a huge role in improving the quality of life of patients. I found this article so eye-opening and fascinating, and I encourage everyone to give it a read. Hello everyone, my name is Anthony Murr and I'm a second year medical student at Memorial University. I'm thrilled to be joining the Roundstable team again this year. I'll be the marketing director for the podcast, managing our social media presence and helping to engage with our listeners. I should make a quick plug then to begin. If you're on Facebook or Twitter, please do like or follow our page. The links to both will be available on healthydebate.ca. So moving along to my good stuff selection. I've chosen a piece entitled Health Policy, Nanny State, or Catalyst for Change. It was published by PLOS, the Public Library of Science, as part of its translational global health blog. I think the author does a great job outlining what's at stake in popular debates and discourse around health policy. 
As he points out, we know that non-communicable diseases like cancer and diabetes result in a substantial amount of death and disability worldwide. But there is sometimes major opposition to adopting policies aimed at preventing these diseases. For example, there have been court challenges surrounding plain packaging legislation and criticism of the supersized soda restrictions proposed by Mayor Michael Bloomberg in New York City. Faced with these conflicts and many others, I think the article raises a number of important questions. So for one, what ought to be the role of the state in achieving good health outcomes? And assuming that government has a role to play, what kinds of policies and interventions will produce the best outcomes? I recommend this article because I think it prompts us to reflect on the many factors in the environment that influence our health and consider ways that we might act to address them. I hope that you'll enjoy this article as much as I did. I'm Annie Wang, and I'm a second-year medical student at the University of Toronto. I'm taking on the role of producer at The Rounds Table, where I will work behind the scenes to ensure great episodes are delivered to you every week. Follow me on Twitter at Annie M. Q. Wang. My Good Stuff recommendation is a recent podcast episode from Freakonomics. The episode is called, Are You Ready for a Glorious Sunset? And the episode proposes a new healthcare insurance plan, which on the surface seems very cold and calculating. The idea is this, we spend billions on end-of-life healthcare, which for the most part doesn't do much good. So what if insurance companies offered bonuses to patients who are willing to forego end-of-life medical care? What if a patient gets to choose whether they get the treatment or get a cash rebate instead. Some economists loved the idea. They thought patients should be allowed to say, I don't want this expensive care. I don't want more pain. I'd rather leave this money to my kids, to a charity, or to take a last vacation. Others pointed out this plan would be really hard to implement because healthcare is a market where the buyers, which are the patients, don't know the prices or quality ahead of time. I personally think this idea is just a really great mental exercise because it asks an important question we often overlook. Just because life can be medically extended, should it be? Is the quality of life that's gained desirable? But I think this would be hard to implement because healthcare providers have a really hard time predicting on a patient-by-patient -patient basis when somebody is going to die or how effective a treatment will be. Lots of other perspectives were brought up, so have a listen and decide for yourself whether this option is something you would endorse. I hope you liked their suggestions. A dementia village might not be a sustainable approach to providing long-term care for our aging populations, but certainly there are a lot of lessons to be learned from that story and understanding how we can modify people's environments to make them both safer and more stimulating. Anthony's article about the role of government in setting health policy evokes a lot of questions that are at the front of people's minds, particularly heading into election season in Canada and in countries around the world. And finally, Annie's proposal for a refundable insurance plan for end-of-life care raises a lot of ethical and moral questions, both about expenditure at the end of life and about incentives and perverse incentives. So thanks, guys, for three great recommendations. 
And to all you listeners, thanks for joining us. We hope you had a really nice summer, and we're looking forward to getting back to you with brand new content starting next week. September 18th kicks off the second season of The Rounds Table, and we hope you'll join us. <laughs>